That is such a nice chime. Yeah, so she's rolling. Scarborough Dude back at you. This is uh, Dixon Jane's podcast number 933, for those of you who like a number, like I do. Um, and I'm in Thompson Park. Thompson Park. It is January... The, uh, where are we here? The 25th, January 25th, 2023. Uh, it is a, um, a snowy day. I will say that. It is a snowy day and the roads are very slippery. So I was on my way to Bluffers Park because I love to look at it, the water and the snow. Um, but the hill that goes down and more, um, <laughs> of more concern is the hill going back up because I've got snow tires on this little Toyota but absolutely no grip and uh, this car would just slide and you just don't want to be sort of stuck on that hill so anyway I uh, just made a right turn instead of a left on Brimley off Lawrence, off uh, Eglinton and here I am I got my Japanese milk tea and a nice Osimbe cracker for my uh, snack. So I'm quite cozy. I'm all bundled up. And I looked out the window and I saw a figure walking by. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know who I'm referring to. That is the gentleman who walks nonstop in circles around this park at high speed, talking out loud. And I remember the first time I saw him months ago... And uh, I see him virtually every single time I come. It is now about one thirty in the afternoon. I don't know how long he stays here. I don't always come at the same time. But he just makes his rounds. And today is, you know, you need a parka and a hood up and, you know, gloves, the works. And he was just steaming along. This is the person who talks out loud. And you, at first you think, I thought, oh. He must be on a call. You know how some people talk loudly with their phone on, which I hate, especially in grocery stores. Um, But no, he's just talking out loud. So anyway, he's there. I'm here. But I'm sitting in the comfort of my car. Windows all fogged up. And I'll just have one more swig of my milk tea. Sweet and lovely. I bought a whole... What is this? About a liter? Um, yeah. And these are the drinks I used to have in Japan. You could, you know, in Japan you've got all these machines you've all heard about that dispense anything you want. Including beer, even whiskey, used panties. But let's not go there. Uh, but my, one of my favorites was the milk tea. A warm milk tea. And sometimes cold too. And, oh, they're just so delicious. And your canned coffees. Anyway, 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 moving on. Um, I've got a few things to talk about, as I always do. And I always think they're important. But I'll, I'll start off, we'll, we'll sort of, we'll have to um, work our way into it. I was going to podcast to you yesterday, and uh, I had no working batteries. Oh, there he goes again. There he goes again. Hello! 
Hey. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Too much snow. For the real fans of the band, Okay. There's a deep cut you don't always hear. Okay. Bye-bye. I never understand anything he says in response. But... <laughs> I saw him go by. I had to talk to him. All right, sorry. Okay, so where were we? <laughs> Yesterday, I went to Avatar. I went to see Avatar at, you know, big fancy theater, 3D, uh, the AVX sound system, whatever. And the thing I like about that theater, Cineplex uh, locally, is that you can pick your seat. And there's always two aisle seats. And I got a perfect aisle seat, eye level, like with the middle of the screen, where I could stretch my feet out. And the theater was virtually empty. There's maybe, you know, 10 people at most in the theater. So it was kind of nice. Um, a little thing, I'm going to just share this with you because it's, you know, sometimes I talk about the, you, you get old and you start making mistakes sometimes, you get a little confused. Like every time I do a drive through at Tim Hortons in particularly, something goes wrong. Um, so I booked my ticket online. I thought, no, no I'm going to go ahead in the morning. I said, yeah, that's what you're going to do today. You're going to go see Avatar. And I, I'd found out that Bruce was meeting up with Debbie and Brent out in Vancouver. They were going to go see it. And, oh, yeah, that's a that's a good sign. I'll go see it too. And um, so booked my ticket. And there are two Cineplex theaters, one near Warden and one at the Scarborough Town Center, if you know Scarborough. And... I like the Warden Theater. It's further to go, but it's a little newer, and it just seems a little fancier and whatnot, you know. And so that's where I planned to go and booked my ticket and got in the car. And as soon as I started driving in that direction, just heading towards Eglinton, a little, my head started saying, are you sure... Like, I'd given myself just enough time to get there and pop a gummy. But are you sure that's where your ticket's from? So I quickly pulled into the uh, Swiss Chalet parking lot, checked online, and I didn't see anything in big print that said the theater. It told me my seat number, how much I had paid, everything else, and I couldn't see the theater. It just said, you know, Scarborough Cineplex Theater. Which one? And then I sort of scrolled up, and on my iPhone, I squinted, I looked, and right down below the Scarborough Town Center. And I thought, because I was honestly on my way to the one at Warden, which would have been disastrous, because I would have got there, and it's the wrong theater, and it would have been too late to get back to the right one. And just this voice saying, are you sure? Like, when I left the house, yeah, I knew where I was going. And then just that little bit of doubt that crept into my mind. And so I turned around, and of course, it was Scarborough Town Center, the nearest one. And I made there, uh, you know, in time. But man, oh man, what a disaster that would have been. And and why? Like, whoa, you, you don't make mistakes like that. When you book a ticket, you got to know wh which theater you're going to. And it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear at all. Seat number was clear. Anyway, uh, that aside, just thought I'd share some of the... You know, little things about going old. And I had one more thing to end off the old part. And, of course, in my case with the uh, this thing, the imbalance issues I have, seat was so comfortable, nobody beside me, stretch your feet out, just absolutely wonderful. 
and then to get up in the dark at the end of the theater, the semi-darkness, and try to get up in the seat, and you're on steps, and it was scary as hell. Like, I said, oh, man, I'm going to take a tumble. I'm just, I'm going to fall, man. And it was a time when I really thought, wow, I wish I had someone here to take my arm. And that's not good. It, it's it's all to do with the neuropathy and the continued losing feeling in the feet and so on. And, uh, boy, I, I've just had to, you know, because everything is low and hold on to a chair and just gradually. And then, man, I see a railing. Hold that fucking railing, man. You'll be okay. And I, I was. But, all right, so much for growing old. My brain is still, I like to think, is still working. Uh, it certainly was after the gummy. Uh, because I knew, yeah, you're going to go see something 3D, big giant screen, get a little high, it's going to be fun, it's going to be fun. And it was, like the 3D was really good. Like it's way better than 3D I've seen in the past. And at first I thought, oh, this is just a novelty, and you know, big deal, but no... It was better in 3D. The storyline, I thought, oh my God, this is just another Star Wars. It's simple. This is not, like, I'm into character development and so on. This was just an action kind of story. But it was more than that. I really did like it. And I'm very, very glad I saw it. But I came out, I talked with a couple of people I had to share an elevator with who asked me what I thought. And I thought, well, I think James Cameron just outdid himself. He really did. He aimed high and he pulled it off. This was spectacular in terms of just the scenes, the, 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 the sea creatures, you know, all this underwater stuff. They were amazing visual scenes. So that's off to everybody, the probably thousands of people involved in that film. Incredible. You know, we're not going about talking about actors here and that traditional film. This was just an experience. So the experience, you know, was as he hoped it would be, as good as it could be. Nothing could top this for a long time, I'm sure. So that's number one. But the second thing, I walked out thinking this is an anti-war film because, my God, I'm not, not doing any spoilers here. I mean, what, what spoilers could there be? Um, the villains... The, I mean, it took me right back to the Vietnam War. And the things you'd see on TV, I did not serve in Vietnam. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying I was impacted. I was of the age. I had friends who were there or people I met in my travels through Europe. And I knew the horror of this thing, starting with seeing a, a monk, Buddhist monk, light himself on fire in protest. The horror and you, you, all the stories that followed the My Lai incident and, and you know... You don't need to know. And it shows the horror of America. And this is my history, my time. The horror this nation inflicted. And you see it in this film. You see it. And you know where I knew at the time. And it could have been because I was high. You know, if you want to go that way, fine. My God, there he goes. He's just done another loop. In the time that I spoke, he has completed a full circle of this park. There he goes. Oh, my God. All right, sorry. I should get out there and join him, but oh, hey, it ain't a day for walking in the park. Um, anyway, anti-war film. I really felt, and of course, again, being high, that James Cameron, the Canadian James Cameron, 
was showing the world the horror of America because the bad guys were bad guys. And um, I, won't, I don't need to go further than that. Do you see it yourself? Or if you've already seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, the horror of war and the horror of capitalism and the use of resources. And, of course, what's the counterpart? Oh, my God. In the end, the result is the world is a better place with love and peace and understanding, even within our differences. Uh, that comes across loud and clear. But, yeah. All right, I'll just leave it at that. I guess I've gone on long enough. Um Toronto, change of topics, Toronto, we have had a spate of crimes on our public transit system and in the street. Uh, some of it is gang behavior and some of it is mental health. And those are two separate things. And it gets lumped together in the news. TTC drivers feel they're under threat, well, in some cases, you do have passengers who are mentally unstable. For example, yesterday, a 20-year-old woman was stabbed in the face and body and head by a 40-year-old woman on the streetcar on Spadina, the one I would take, uh, unprovoked, like just, bam, didn't know each other, just, bam, I'm going to attack you with a knife, and did. And, of course, that woman's carted off to hospital, and the whole transit system has to shut down on Spadina. Uh, then another bus uh, group of um, teenagers started beating on two TTC officers at Toronto Transit Commission, uh, you know, people who were working. Uh, another woman waiting for her bus wearing her TTC uniform was shot in the face by a pellet gun. Uh, and they're getting very, very upset. And the mayor is coming on. I mean, hey, this is going to hurt tourism. You know, Toronto's not, you know, this Toronto the good. Well, what's happening here on the streets? Uh, another woman randomly pushed to the ground. Older woman hit her head and died. And they arrested the guy who had already previously smashed a window. There's this unruly gang behavior, and this is related to the home invasions, the fights at schools, the guns, the weapons. There's gangs all over Toronto. I, de I declare it, and I did long ago, an American import. This lifestyle glorified in music. Uh, is just, it's crept in here. It is part of our culture now in big city Toronto amongst certain communities, and it's bloody awful, and it's a very hard thing to stop. And then the other separate issue is mental health, people on breakdowns, people who stand on the subway platform and try to push somebody in front of a train because they're having a bad day or they don't like the way that person looked at them or something. And this is, you know, how do you solve this? Well, guess what? I have the answer. Well, I, I have some of the answer. You've heard me in a previous podcast, and I'm not going to start all over again, talk about my dream of, and sadly I won't see it in my lifetime, National Youth Service. You owe Canada one year. You're going to serve one year to this country under certain conditions, you know, you, you give, you're going to do stuff, you're going to do work, you're going to be with groups, you're going to probably travel, you're going to be in different parts, you're going to be no buyouts, anything else. You owe Canada one year. Uh, there'll be choices, some available, uh, but it won't be just be sitting behind a desk. You're going, to, you're going to be held accountable. You're probably going to be working groups. You're going to have stuff to do just to, to get to know each other, to... Uh, 
to do this thing. It's just, bam, no buyouts. Okay. Now, the other issue, well, the mental health part, the people on the streets, this is tied in. These people don't have stable housing. Uh, the poor are being overlooked. The conservative governments won't do anything to deal with this or deal with drug problems. There's there are mental health issues. We need more social workers. We need more. We need more psychiatrists, psychologists. We need help at a far earlier age within the school system. You've really got to pour a lot more money and training into support for people from an early age, starting in kindergarten when somebody's going off the rails. That's part of it. Part of it's preventative. And this would also maybe steer people away from joining a gang, you know, if they're not being fed properly and so on. So let's get back to the people. For example, I talked about a couple of episodes, sorry if I'm shouting, a couple of episodes ago, um, Gang of Eight Girls, beat up and stabbed to death a man over a bottle of liquor on the streets of Toronto, and they were 13, 14, 16 years old. Um, and these other gangs and the fights at schools, these are they're teenagers, right? These are teenagers doing this. The, the group who steals cars at gunpoint, that's a, different, that's a different group altogether. These are teenagers. And there was a report from the court that some of the girls... Oh my God! There was another lap. You could time it. You could time it. He's just gone back again. Like how? How does he just do it? Sorry, 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 but I'm just I'm just so fascinated by this guy. I've got to go out and meet him. I got to greet him. So, these teenagers. There was the court had to be cleared because there was overheard snickering. You know, while they're being called up on these charges, and these are, these are people who are. They're messed up, and they've got a life messed. You don't go out in a gang in the middle of the night and, you, and stab somebody and beat somebody up. And apparently, they had beaten up lots of other people. This is not normal behavior. Beating up the TTC transit officers. This this is just not normal, acceptable behavior. And the idea of oh my god, the amount of court time that gets wasted, the police reports that get written. The bureaucracy to go through, the, the procedures for getting bail, the conditions, which are always broken anyway. Nobody follows the conditions because there's no follow-up. You know, I don't think they use ankle bracelets all that often here. Make sure you're at home or not out at midnight. Um, to me, these people need to be put into boot camp. Trials would be fairly quick. Hey, we've got some video evidence. We know you were there. We're not. This isn't going to go on. You're not going to buy your way out with lawyers, and it's going to be dragged on for two years. Meanwhile, you're out back in school or whatever. Um, you are going to. You're going to pay the price. Plead, plead guilty now. Your sentence is going to be shorter, but you are going to go to boot camp, and this is going to be military style run. Um, probably through the military. Because you'd be staying in barracks. You're going to be up early in the morning. You're going to be doing exercises. I don't care how fat you are. You're, you're still going to be doing exercise. There's going to be a goal set for that. You're going to eat well. You're going to have three meals, but you're going to be involved in the preparation of the meals, the cleaning up. You're going to make your bed. You're going to do all the stuff you do. But it's going to be discipline and consequences. And it doesn't mean beating or locked up in a cell of... Solitary confinement, although you're going to have to find some way to get, you know, make sure the smart asses lose out somehow, lose privileges. 
but it's not going to be sitting around in a prison, you know, making plans of what you can do when you get out with others. You are going to be, you're going to be, sorry, you're going to be cut off from the outside world for a while. And you have to have an oversight. You know, everybody's, oh my God, you know, you're talking, it's going to be cruelty and torture. No, no, no. <coughs> there will be social workers in here. You're going to be going through group counseling. It's going to be part of it. Why did you do it? Why did you think it was okay to kick that man? You know, why did you, why, why did you do that? Why did you punch the guy in the face? What did he do to you? What, what, what Did you realize the consequences? So there's going to be mediation. There's going to be all the stuff that needs to go with reconditioning somebody, bringing them back in. But they're going to learn. They're going to learn about taking responsibility for your clothing, for your dressing, for your 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 laundry. There'd be maybe teams assigned to do the whole group's laundry, you know. And if it doesn't get done, well, hey, you're going to put on dirty underwear today because that asshole over there refused to... Uh, Refuse to help or peel the potatoes or whatever. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many possibilities. But it does involve, it does take stronger actions than just incarcerating somebody with apathetic jail keepers and here you go, wait your time out or whatever is involved. You're going to have support. You're going to have good food. You're going you're to get in better physical shape. You're going to get educated. You're going to learn about things. You're going to take courses. You're going to do all kinds of stuff that is positive and constructive. It's not just punishment, but there will be discipline with it. Okay, I'm I'm done. I've said enough. <laughs> I really had to get that off my chest because it's bothersome like every day. And you get answers in the wrong areas. Well, that's why we need more police. No, no, no. That is not the answer, Mayor. What's his name? Uh, just Mayor Tory, this, there's other things that have to be done to help fix these issues, delinquency, social irresponsibility, you know, fear, anger. There's just so much that has to be dealt with. And again, I go back, start with funding the school system, all the extra money that gets wasted here and there. Tax heavy corporations, have them responsible. Damn, tax the hell out of them. Vote NDP if they would help or get behind something like this somehow. Or put more pressure on the liberals, but stay away from a fucking conservative government. All right, all right, anyway, we're done there. Scarborough dude, I, you know, I'd love feedback on that. I know some people just think I'm a crackpot reactionary, but I'm not talking about... This is not reactionary. This is looking for a solution to help people who clearly need help. When you go up and beat somebody for no reason, you need help. Something's wrong with you. If you want a future in this wonderful thing called life, this gift of life, so you you be a, a responsible citizen enjoying the possibilities for creativity that are ahead of you if you just learn to behave. <sighs> All right. Sorry, but I had to do that. God damn, did I ever have to get rid of that. Bye for now.
We're going. Uh, I gotta tell you, I'm feeling a little, uh, a little uncomfortable about this. It's been more than a week since I last spoke to you. Um, during that week, of course, my son has been with us. My son from Vancouver, Kenji, and um, so you know, there hasn't been the eh, there's been the time, but there hasn't been the desire, the urge, or the need to uh, record a podcast clip. Until now, um, it's Thursday, Groundhog Day, February 2nd. I've just dropped him off at uh, the uh, subway in Kennedy Station. He's going to go downtown. He'll be back uh, by supper time. I'm uh, scheduled to put a roast lamb, leg of lamb in the oven this afternoon. Or, yeah, for supper. And uh, we'll have a meal together. And then tomorrow he's on a plane flying back to Vancouver. And I'll see him again when I visit in March. But, uh, yeah, it's been quite a visit. He, sure, you're aware of his presence when he's here. He's certainly, it's a bit of a whirlwind. And things, there may be plans made. And, of course, then if there's plans made, there'll be plans changed and altered and new plans springing up. And uh, I think that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit. I've been, as you know, recently, I've been making a list of notes for each episode of things to talk about. And often they're kind of news-related, very often political. 
Um, for example, <laughs> oh, I guess I, you know, I think I maybe stick to the personal. I've got a, for example, I got a whole bunch, but I'm going to narrow it down. I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to talk about all those things that are in the news. Um, I'm going to talk about, uh, yeah, this visit of my son. Who's beeping their horn? Somebody. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm in uh, Bluffers Park. Okay. Park, it's sunny. It's cold. It looks lovely. There's snow on the ground. I should get out and take a walk. I probably will. Uh, but uh, right now, I just, I, I'm going to talk to you. I, I mentioned I'm uncomfortable. And I guess, you know, normally the podcast recordings go without prep. As you know, that's that's my thing. Just turn it on, and it's always at least three times during the week, spread out, you know, a couple of days between them usually, but sometimes one day after another. But anyway, in the course of a week, at least three recordings, and I put them together and send it out. Now, I'm a week behind, and I think that's wonderful because uh, some of you may almost get caught up. I know uh, some people do try and listen to every episode, so me taking uh, a week off, uh, no harm done there. But it's just I'm feeling a little awkward. And I, I think it's possibly because it's easier to talk about things in politics and the news and, you know, should we be sending tanks to uh, Ukraine? Yes, we should. You know, did we have to because the United States did and Germany did? Yes, we had to. Um, you know, should... Uh, police be being paid overtime to get on the TTC subway to make it look like they're doing something to stop uh, this rash of uh, beatings and fights and and even killings and knifings and all kinds of things that are happening on public transit here in Toronto. No, it shouldn't be police being paid overtime. There's got to be another way to do it and address the root cause, homelessness, mental health. Anyway, we're not going to talk about those things. Uh, nor are we going to talk about the change that was voted in by the Toronto District School Board last night to, instead of having a compulsory grade 11 course on Shakespeare and Dickens, switch over to studying Native Canadian writers. In particular, um, they will study, it was voted, uh, Indigenous authors like Richard Wagamis, or Wagamese, I don't know how to pronounce that, and Tanya Talaga neither of whom I know, and uh, maybe that's why they're doing this kind of thing, came down to a vote and a shift away from Eurocentric content. Now, I did read this article in the Toronto, Stun, uh, Toronto Star. Stun would be a good word. Combination of star and sun. Yeah, Toronto Stun. Um, and was very aware of the bias in the reporting. Like, it was really, you could sort of tell it was almost aimed at white people. Hey, look what they're doing now. They're taking away Shakespeare and Dickens and giving you these native authors. And, uh, you know, knowing that some people will react. And, oh, what the hell's going on, you know? And I admit, my first reaction was, wait a minute, you're, what are you giving up Shakespeare? No, everybody should study Shakespeare. But when I had further information on the news, it's not that it's being eliminated. It's just in this particular grade 11 course this is going to be mandated, brought in in the TDSB. Uh, and they'll still get exposed to Shakespeare and other writers. 
uh, you know, in grade 10 and grade 8, who knows, when, whenever else. It's not like it's being completely taken out. It's just a, a change. Um, the fact that it was written by somebody who didn't go, it voted in as a student counselor, was the one who put this forward and did not attend, went to uh, perhaps a native school. I'm not sure what I had that name anyway. Maybe not affiliated with the TDSB. And everything in the article was designed to kind of poke a little bit, stir up people. And, uh, you know, that's that's the problem. And now, of course, we've got a huge thing. There was another story I was going to cover. It seems to me... <laughs> oh. I may be covering the topics I just said I wasn't going to. Uh, and maybe because this is me kind of warming up so it's easier to get into more personal things. Okay, so so bear with me. Canada names first special representative to combat Islamophobia. Now, if you listen to uh, Jesse Brown on uh, Canada Land, the news podcast, you'll hear about this today's episode. Uh, and a good take on it. Um, but again, this is another one that came from probably the star and designed maybe to stir people up. Federal government has named human rights advocate uh, Amira El-Gawabi as Canada's first special representative on combating Islamophobia, Islamophobia fulfilling a top ask from the country's Muslim community after members of London's Afzal family lost their lives to a shocking 2021 attack. Somebody drove a car into a, a, a looked like a lovely family, but of course they were wearing garb that identified them as probably being Muslims. And somebody drove a car and killed, I think, all four of them. A horrific attack. And of course in, there was a mosque attack in Quebec. So there is Islamophobia. There is, it's not, it's hatred of people, of other races, of other religions in this country, and it needs to be addressed, and Trudeau addressed this person. Well, of course, Quebec, who has um, a bill where you are not allowed to, any public servant cannot wear anything identifying their religion. So if you're a Christian, you've got to hide your cross. Well, that's easy enough done. But if you happen to be Muslim and wear a headscarf, oh, sorry. So one teacher got fired and... uh, she made comments about that, and Quebec is up in arms, saying she hates Quebec, and there's talk, is Quebec really racist? And, of course, most people would say, yes, they are, of any province in Canada, maybe next to Alberta. Um, and, of course, that's just stirring up a fuss. And it just, the way the media reports it, and you've got to look, well, who owns the media? Who's behind it? What are they trying to do? Uh, you know, stories can have such a twist to them. And that's why it is important to listen to people like Jesse Brown on Canada Land for a slightly different take on the news and how it's reported. So, okay, so let me park those things. Um, Just a little bit of housework here. I've mentioned maybe previously that I'm watching the show Dark from Germany. It's three seasons. I am. I have one episode left, the last episode in season three, and it ends after that. Uh, and I've got to tell you, I'm. I'm not. It's not on my recommendation list anymore. I think by the end of the second episode, I was get. I was just too confused to to keep track, and it begins to seem quite repetitious. And 
absolutely. It seems the same story has been stretched out far too long, and it's very difficult to follow. And maybe it's just beyond my capabilities. And at first, I thought, oh, I just I just have to work harder at this, read the notes. But uh, you know, I've, I finally I've given up. No, I, I just can't. Follow. I'm watching because it's still entertaining viewing to watch. But in terms of actually understand what the hell's going on, I'm no, I just don't know anymore, and and I can't imagine that the last episode that I'll be watching uh, probably this weekend will tie it all up nicely. Cause I don't think it's going to work that way. But it is interesting. So if you're curious, that would be dark. There's lots of more, lots more things. I did love Black Panther. I watched Red Panda. Hmm. All right. So anyway, I've got a note here called Eric's Last Stand. Now, Eric uh, was a Dane, uh, bald-headed, very big, very stocky, gold earring. He ran a bar in Yokohama. He was originally a you know a sailor, or on a, probably worked on a freighter. Landed in Yokohama, got off, probably got drunk, got married to a Japanese woman, opened a bar, and it was called Eric's Last Stand. Then it was his last stand. He died. Basically, probably drank himself to death. Uh, he was usually drunk by the end of the night on any good night at Eric's Last Stand. He he was pretty drunk. And you had you had to watch out. Like, he'd get a baseball bat out. He'd, um, he could get angry. <laughs> and it was exciting as hell. I absolutely loved going there. And it was part of the Chinatown bar tour. When my friends visited, Chris and Bruce and... Uh, Others, I would take them around, and one of the stops for sure would always be Eric's last stand. And once Eric died and his wife took over, it just wasn't the scene because he was the draw. And it drew in a lot of interesting Japanese people. So it was, it was foreigners and Japanese would come together. In, in the thing about Japanese bars, these little, very small bars, I mean, there's maybe stools for eight people, that's it. We're talking like a very small place. It The person running it is the is the key, is is the show person, is the master. And each one has a different flavor, a different feeling to it. Like I've talked about Takemi's uh, forever, and, and a few listeners, Robert in, in Thailand now, knows exactly what I'm talking about. And, and uh, so does the Barstool Buddha uh, and others, and I guess Bruce too, uh, who visited there. Very, very special. But Eric's is a place, and I always imagined that one day, I'd be standing in Eric's bar with my two sons, Kenji and Daniel, standing there showing this is these are these are my roots. This is this was part of my time in Japan before you were born. When I was working for the Japanese company and on a Friday night, Saturday night, I'd head off to Chinatown on my own. Uh, it happened to be I met my wife in that general area in Chinatown. Uh, I knew all the bars. We had a route, the Norgay, Olaf's, Eric's Last Stand, um, the Cable Car, Takemi's. You know, there was a, there was a circuit you knew, and you knew the same characters that often show up in different ones. Or if you went to one bar, you'd ask, "How you know, what's going on over at Eric's tonight, or who's in town?" And and you knew, and there was a host of characters. My good friend Jimmy, who introduced me to many of them, um, another fellow who basically would have drunk himself to death, Jimmy with the two or three wives, an American who came over in the 50s and uh, realized he didn't belong in America anymore. He belonged here. And these are people who, God, if, if I was capable of good writing, would be incredible characters to have in a book. 
uh, each of these people. And I, and I sorely wish I was able to do that, but I, I don't think I, I have the skill or and, and laziness plays a factor too. But it just Jimmy was was something. Anyway, back to Eric's. I just imagined in my head I had a picture of standing there as my sons are grown up and I'm standing at the bar and saying, "Yeah, this is uh, this is where I used to be Friday. This was this was part of my existence in Japan." And the message, the underlying message is, Japan was the best thing that happened to me. Japan was me joining the army. Japan was me straightening out. Japan was the the thing, the place, the job that fixed me <laughs> and gave me a life, gave me a future. Uh, and it's thanks to the Japanese people, the Japanese work ethic, the, the things I loved about Japan. Um, and to the good times I had, you know, in order to survive, it was a drinking culture. And I certainly got right in on that. Um, so here's this image, you know. And now I've come to the point, now at age 74 here in uh, Scarborough, I realize I'm never going to, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to be standing in Olaf. Number one, Olaf, uh, Eric, is dead, long gone. Um, Takemi's is gone. There's a couple, the Windjammer and the cable car are probably still there. But it's just not the same. And I can't imagine a time when we will all be back in Japan together, if that would ever happen. I, I would like it to, but there's a huge expense to factor in and and jobs. And what are the odds of, you know, unless my wife uh, buys a house there and we have reason to go back and stay for a while, I can't imagine that scenario being played out. So, Kenji's visit here, I'm thinking, all right, at least have a night out here, me, my two sons, and I want to talk a little bit. I had in my mind, I wanted to say a couple of things about how much I love their mother and how important she was to my life. And and, and I guess I, I kind of, I created a scenario. If I can't do Eric's Last Stand in Yokohama, Chinatown, well, I could do Scarborough. That's my home now, and then just change it up. But part of the things, I, I want to share some things with them about mainly, you know, my situation, the good fortune that Japan meant to me, and a little bit about my wife. And, and I feel now that I've seen both of them grown up that they will be around for Naoko after I'm gone. Like, I, I'll I'll be gone <laughs> long before she has, and uh, they'll be around. And it's not just about financial security. It's just about, you know, them being around. And I, I see that now for the time she spent with them, and I see how generous Kenji is and, and how the the time that we spend together with Daniel and Nelko and I. Um, and so I'm I'm comforted by that. And maybe I'd want to reflect that too, and I'd probably want to talk about our financial situation. Like right now, her her future is our home. Uh, that's our that's our stake, you know, in the, in this uh, house, and don't want to sell that too soon. Um, but anyway, that was the plan. So it came down to it was going to be Wednesday night. We decided, and Kenji, you know, I said, well, I'll take you to a local bar just here in Scarborough. Go to the the old stone cottage close by, and Daniel's hat. Ah, it's not a fancy place, and uh, you know, 
no, and can you, no, no, we'll do, we'll do the only cafe. We'll go to your bar, the only cafe. So that was the plan. We were going to go Wednesday night. We we're going to go to the only cafe. And then we were going to go to Square Boy for, uh, their wonderful, uh, it's across the street. It's a place for a Greek restaurant to have their, uh, quarter chicken dinner with a uh, Greek salad on the side. Just, it's a treat. It's, it's, if you know the Danforth, you know Square Boy. Uh, and it's very close to Takemi. So that, that was our night out. Well, Kenji went out the night before, the Tuesday night. Texted Wednesday. Sorry, I didn't make it home last night. Uh, having fun with his friends. Because when he comes, he's here to see us, of course, and see his friends. And he's got a lot of friends from his uh, university days at York and from his high school days. And he connects with everybody. And he's got lots of friends. And it's it's fun. And it's great for that that they get together. And so a visit here is, is sort of sometimes it get, the plans get kind of loose and shifting and adapting to somebody else's schedule. So by the time he got home, sorry, on um, by the time I picked him up Wednesday afternoon, he had completely forgotten. Like this just wasn't on his radar. Oh, is that the, I didn't even know what day it was. And I was very hurt. I was very hurt. I was very disappointed. I was very sad. I, I felt hurt because I felt, hey, this had meant so much to me, and, and this was going to be our night out, me and my two sons. This was going to be sort of that thing I couldn't do in, in Yokohama, but I could do here at my bar, the, the, the only cafe, and it seemed perfect that way. And we'd have the whole thing. Well, he didn't get home till after four. He wanted to pick up some food. We picked up some food, got up a shower. And the evening starts to roll on, and by then we realize this is, no, it's not the time to go out. And I sulked for a little bit, spent time by myself reading, um, you know, thinking about, gosh, Brian goes out with his three sons all the time. They want to be around them. I mean, my kids just don't want to be around me, and I'm reflecting on, well, why is that? Is it, is it that I, I can't be my person with them? I can only be my, the father is there something about my behavior that just makes this not fun or, or, you know, you know, and I was taking it, you know, a little bit of self-pity, a little bit of feeling sorry for myself. It turns out the evening went on. I said, no, all right, we're not going, you know, no, we're not doing it. And I sort of grumbled and I accepted, okay, I don't care. We could do it tomorrow, Wednesday or Thursday, which is today. And of course we're not going to do it uh, now. I don't, it's, it's not important anymore, which I'm trying to get to that point. I'm trying to get to there. So here we go. Instead, last night, he and Daniel, who's been a bit of a recluse lately, spent the whole evening downstairs talking. And I could hear them from upstairs talking. And Nelko could hear them. And we were both very, very happy that they were talking. The two brothers who don't get to spend much time together, Kenji moved away 10 years ago, were talking. And after I went to bed, called down at 11.30, I'm going to bed, uh, and Kenji had given up plans to go out, they got into the beer Kenji bought, had a couple of beer together, and continued talking till about 2 in the morning. And today, I realized, and I realized last night when this was happening, this is more important than me being at the only holding court as I like to do and telling things that I've almost rehearsed in my mind 
as opposed to being spontaneous of what I want to say to my sons. I had this picture and I was trying to, a scene in a, in a story, and I was trying to, thinking I had to live out that scene and realize as it takes me a while sometimes to wake up and to get a clearer picture and understand, as I do now, that what was far more important was the time Kenji and Daniel spent together yesterday. And the day before, a couple of days before, when they when Kenji said, can I borrow your car? And he and Daniel took off and came home with a vacuum cleaner for their mother after I'd said, no, don't do that. <laughs> and they did it anyway. Kenji just took one look at the duct tape on the vacuum we have and said, Mom needs a new vacuum. No, she doesn't. I'll take care of that. No, you don't have to. And, of course, he came home with a vacuum cleaner and uh, some other things that they had found, and they spent a day together doing that. And that's more important. And I know that now. I'm not, this is not, I'm not trying to, I'm not defending or trying to, I'm not rationalizing. I'm understanding bigger picture as sometimes becomes clear over time. That this business of this, you know, planned image of me with my two sons, you know, talking about this or that. That's just, that's maybe seemed important to me. But in the big picture, what is more important was what happened, what's been happening it's just this time together and the sharing and, and the unfolding organically without planning as happened last night. And um, that's good. So I hope I got that across. I hope I was clear. It did go on long enough, but uh, this this will... Uh, I'll, I'll probably finish this when he after he's left. But uh, I, I wanted to share that with you. And I, I'm glad I told the story the way I did. And I'm glad I got that out. And, and I, quite honestly, I just feel very good about it. I feel sort of, a, oh, I've almost purged myself of whatever it was I felt need. Sometimes we create stories or narratives, right? And then we try to live them through. And, and I'm guilty of that. And uh, narratives are not spontaneous if they're planned and scripted. And the spontaneity and the openness and the, the, the fluency and the uh, organicness of just letting things happen is what's important. So there you go. Story told. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, my good friend Kenneth Pereira, who is sort of re-podcasting. I think podcast from the past with an introduction. I'm a little confused, as I often am with Kenneth. But the message to Kenneth is... Feel good about what you did because you, what you did had courage. You you ventured out into new territory in your podcast and you just said, All right, this is the way I'm going to do it. And you did it. And you had the courage to do it. And now you might be having second thoughts. Maybe I was a little too open or said too much, whatever. Don't undo what you did. What you did took courage and was, was the right thing at the time. And I salute you for that. I salute you for having the courage and I salute you for basically, you know, maybe picking up the needle and resetting it on the track again and whatever it is that you are doing. Um, but you have integrity, man, and, uh, and authenticity. And that's very rare and very important. So salutes to Kenneth Pereira, the, uh, the moron. <laughs> Sorry. Scarborough Dude signing off. Bye for now. There's my friend again. <laughs> it's too cold. <laughs> okay.
<laughs> Enjoy. Okay. Okay, I'll try it. Oh my god. That's so funny. Sorry if I was shouting. <laughs> oh my. The timing. Okay. It's a Friday afternoon, almost four o'clock. <laughs> oh, I just park. I just get out the recorder. And I see this guy stopped right in front of my car. And, of course, you know who it is if you listen to this show. It's the Walker Talker. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a bundled up, a hood, the big mittens, a scarf, everything. And he's sort of waving at me, shouting, you know, sort of trying to tell me I think it's warm. I should come out for a walk. I think I will. I think I might just take up his challenge. Uh, but that's just the timing. Like, to just be looking out my windshield, just got here, just look out the window, there he is, stopped, You're right in my line of, you know, I'm parked right at the wall, or the track where you walk around, and there he is, looking at me, shouting encouragement. He recognized the car, I mean, he couldn't, I'm sure he could hardly see me, but he knew. Oh my goodness, I, I take that as an omen of some kind, a sign, I don't know. But uh, I, I just love how this has developed from the first time, you know, almost being a little nervous and uncomfortable about some guy, weird person walking fast and talking loud. But <laughs> I've since grown very fond of him. Oh, my. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't really have a... Uh, uh, I've got notes, and I'm not going to deal with them. It is, as I say, Friday afternoon, November, or February 3rd, and boy, oh boy, it is a cold one. We're talking cold. It just that drop they told us was coming, and uh, here it is. And I've just left my son at the Eglinton train station uh, for him to make his way back to Vancouver. Uh, so it was a short visit. I picked him up, you know, 12.30 Saturday morning, and here it's Friday afternoon, and he's heading back. But he got one of these super cheap deals, and it was a wonderful visit. It was a really good visit with uh, my Vancouver son, Kenji. Um, a lot, just, you know, lots going on. And, and there's always ups and downs. Like We often will clash, but we work it through. We will have differences. We have different natures. And uh, But we explore it, and we talk about it, and, and each time there's a little more growth, perhaps, maybe a little more closeness, and uh, that's um, it's all a good thing. I think the, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last clip, the one thing I do feel very good about is that I know, you know, when I pass on and alcohol lives for another 40 years, um, that they'll be around for her. And, uh, you know, that, that's just, that's just, that's good. I'm just glad about that. I, and I feel, of course, there, we had another meal, I guess our last meal last night was sitting around the table and Kenji, of course, he insisted on making another charcuterie platter and he arranges it so artistically, you know, with the olives and the cheese and the different crackers and the, you know, a lots of different kinds of cheese that he bought. And uh, we bought, he bought, he chose, we paid. And that was good. That was part of his original birthday plan. But have that and then the roast lamb 
and another good bottle of wine. So it was it was lovely and sitting around the table and again just it, for me something I don't often talk of, but it was like a a, a connection, a, a feeling of family. And even though, maybe because of I don't know, we are all so different, the four of us, and yet somehow we, I mean we're connected. And and Kenji was talking today about how there's a part of him he thought was just like me, and now I realize no, it's just like mom. And um, there's a both boys are, are such a mix of Naoko and I. I mean, in just in terms of character and, and the ways our our brain works, our personalities, you know, all the different aspects that go up to making a human. And uh, it's just such an interesting combination. And I do remind them, well, you got two unusual parents, so uh, don't expect to be normal. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I guess... All in all, it's a good feeling, and probably I want to end on that note rather than talk about the Chinese spy balloon floating over Montana or uh, that Americans have decided not to shoot down. It might hurt somebody down below, but it's sort of upping the tension between America and China. And uh, you got to call in the diplomats and scold them. What the hell is this about? And, uh, you know, that's the, uh, that's the news department. Spying sp- spy balloons floating over, I guess, the Arctic and uh, other parts. And, of course, the Americans are concerned because that's where they have a lot of their strategic missiles in that area. Uh, my friend is walking by again. It, I'm just not ready to get out. I'm just not ready for that. So, I guess, yeah. I mean, um, I finished... The uh, series I talked so much about at first, uh, Dark, and I was satisfied with the <coughs> sorry, oh, conclusion. It's <coughs> sorry. It's um, it's sunny, but it's cold. Oh, he's starting to he's starting to feel the cold. I think I think he's finished. The wind has picked up. Oh man, it's fierce. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so not a not a whole lot to say tomorrow. I'm heading out. <coughs> Sorry, heading out to um, Bluffers Park to uh, see John and maybe Connie and Lisa, of course. And uh, that will. But not did I say Bluffers Park? No, the only cafe is where I'm going. Yeah, the poor fellow's on his way home now. So I, I caught him just at the tail end of his walk. That was something. Oh, man, there's a wind. It's Anyway, sorry, you don't need a weather report. I guess, what do I want to say? You know, we learn. I, I'm back at my son and their family and... Uh, how generous Kenji is and, and the time he spent with Daniel. Today I gave Kenji a tour of the basement bar. It said, now these are the things that are important and some of them he sort of shrugged his shoulders and other things, oh, I want that, like a model of a, a Canadian Airlines 747. Beautiful plastic model. That probably was his. And um, some old mag- books that he had from childhood. Oh, those got packed away. 
But the stuff that I'm saying, hey, but I got this Nigerian cola nut dish. Yeah, I don't know. I don't connect to that. I, I don't. That doesn't mean anything to me. So, you know, some things. It is, but the, the message was, Dad, you got to get a decent camera for filming and decent sound and decent lighting and then tell the stories that go with these objects and sell them on eBay. So that's the message. And that's something I've talked about time and again on this podcast. And I get reminded by my son each time. And really what I was hoping that I could get somebody else to do some of the work for me. In, in terms of somebody who would say, all right, I'll, uh, I've, I'll got, I've got the gear. I'll set it up and make some bit of a project. But who wants to do that? Uh, nobody would want to do that voluntarily. And... I, you know, I don't have the money to pay somebody, so I might have to just sort of work out my own system. I don't know. I don't know. I know. Any volunteers out there want to uh, come over and film me and listen to me give long-winded stories about cola nut dishes and uh, Brakeman's lanterns and uh, my Henry Miller collection and the Fairdale ashtray and my hash pipe? Oh, what else is there? Uh, Oh, the other thing he went away with, very happy, in the box still, a beautiful model train from Japan. It was a romance car, one I had actually ridden on, the older model. And this was one that was still in the box with the plastic windscreen. It's like, you know, when you have mint condition corgi toys or dinky toys in the original box. And uh, so that, that got packed away. All right. No, I'm over time. Sorry. Scarborough Dude signing out from uh, Thompson Park. Uh, Just to say, every day is different. You've got to be open to things. I I sometimes, I found I was quite moody and I can be a little grumpy. And then I have to catch myself in that. And, and, you know, hey, 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 get out of it. Like when my wife wants to do some work at home and I'm saying, hey, you work long enough today. You don't owe them anything. And she says, well, you, you know... I have to do this, and uh, and I kind of bark and get moody, and then I try and correct myself. So there's always, I mean, there's always room for improvement. There's always time for improvement. Maybe that's a better way of looking at it. You've, you've got time. Make yourself a better person. Scarborough Dude, signing out. Bye for now on a cold day.